Amen. Check this out. It was $5.37. Okay? That's what the kid behind the Taco Bell counter said to this guy. And so he dug out of his pocket. He pulled out some lint and two dimes and something that looked like a Jolly Rancher used to be. And he'd already given the guy, uh, the kid, five bucks, okay? And so he started to head back to the truck to grab some more change. And that's when the kid, apparently, he said with the Elmo hairdo, said the hardest thing that this guy had ever heard before in his life. And the kid said to the guy, he says, it's okay, I'll just give you the senior citizen discount. And the guy, he says, I, I, first of all, I turned to see who he was talking to, and I, I heard the sound of the change hitting the counter there, and the kid said, it's only $4.68 now. And he said, I stood there stupefied. He said, I'm 56 years old, I'm not even 60 yet. Me, a mere child, me, a senior citizen. He said, so I grabbed my burrito. He said, I walked back out to the truck, wondering what was going on and what was wrong with this Elmo kid. Was he blind? I, I sat in the truck and my blood began to boil. Old me, I'll show him, I thought. He said, so I, I opened the door and I headed back inside and I strode to the counter and there he was waiting with a smile. But before I could say a word, he held up something in front of me and jingled it as if I could be that easily distracted. What am I now, a toddler? And the kid said, dude, can't get too far without your car keys. I said, <laughs> He said, so I stared at the keys with utter disdain and I began to rationalize in my mind, hey, leaving behind keys hardly makes a guy elderly. It could happen to anybody. So I turned back and I headed back to the truck and I slipped the keys into the ignition, and, but it wouldn't turn. And, and so still I tried another keys and another and it still wouldn't turn. And that's when I noticed the, the purple beads hanging from my rearview mirror. Only I have no purple beads hanging from my rearview mirror. <laughs> And then I noticed this car seat in the back seat and the Happy Meal toys spread out all over the floorboard and faster than you could say Ginkgo Bilboa, I fled out of that alien vehicle. So moments later, I'm speeding out of the parking lot and I'm, I'm relieved to leave this nightmare behind me and all of a sudden, that's when I felt it. The pains of hunger in my stomach. It was growling and churning and, and so I reached over to grab my burrito, only the burrito wasn't there. So I swung the truck around and I gathered the courage to stride back into that restaurant one final time and there was Elmo draped in his youth and black nail polish and all I could think of is what is this world coming to and I said did I leave my drink and food in here and Elmo had no clue so I walked back out into the truck and suddenly this young lad came up to me and he's tugging at my jeans getting my attention he's holding up a drink in a bag and his mother goes I think you left this in my truck by mistake. So I took the food and the drink from the little boy and his, his mother offered these kind words to me. She said, it's okay, my grandfather does stuff like this all the time. <laughs> and this guy says this, he says, and I said all this to explain how I got a ticket doing 85 in a 40 mile per hour zone and yes, I was raising, racing some punk kid in a toy of Prius, okay? And, and, and I told the officer, no, I'm not too old to drive this fast. And so I walked into the door, handed my wife the cold burrito and, and the $300 speeding ticket, and I promptly sat down on my rocking chair and covered my legs with a blankie. <laughs> At least I found my way home. How many guys would say that Bill Wimberly once again had a rough week? You know what I'm saying? He just wanted to go to Taco Bell, you know, and, and, uh, but, but here's the point I say with that one, Tom. You know, obviously the truth is this, I mean, the more you deny something, the worse it kind of gets, you know what I'm saying? I think it's what's going on there. And believe it or not, folks, in all seriousness, I see the same thing happening to Christians all the time, okay? And it's not their trip to their local Taco Bell, it's their trip to their local church service. And what we do is we deny a truth also as well, and it's, 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 a, it's a rough reality to deal with, but we deny it. That somewhere, believe it or not, along the line, our once vibrant walk with Jesus Christ, our relationship with Him, has turned into a dry, stale, crusty burrito, if you will. Okay? And then we wonder why we do need help walking around in our relationship with Jesus. And again, as we've been seeing in our study, this is the obvious question then. Something's not right. How in the world did it get this way? How did it become a dry, crusty thing to spend time with God, the creator of the universe? Hello? Okay? And again, it didn't start off that way, right? I mean, when we first got saved, we couldn't wait to spend time with God. We longed for God. We loved God. And that's the problem, isn't it, okay? And we've been seeing the reason why, at least what I've learned over the years, it happens just like that, folks, when we lose sight of what we do have in Jesus Christ, and that is a loving, beautiful, intimate, personal relationship with God, the creator of the universe. That's what he died on the cross for, not some dry, stale, boring religion. 
Okay, and what we've been seeing, folks, is once we lose sight of that truth, even as a Christian, bang, just like that, overnight, your once vibrant walk with Jesus just turned into a dry, stale, stupid, boring, man-made religion called churchianity. Right? And not Christianity, churchianity. And what we've been seeing is, man, this thing is a deadly, horrible, wretched disease. And unfortunately, it's infecting the American church. And so to stave off this deadly disease called churchianity, we're going to continue our study, renewing your faith. Turn to somebody and say, it's time to renew your faith. Okay? And what we're doing, folks, in our studies, you know, is we're revisiting the so-called basics of Christianity, except this time we're doing it through a renewed set of eyes. And that renewed set of eyes is we're looking at them again through the eyes of a relationship because that's what we got with God. And so hopefully we can recapture that and stay there this time. Amen? And the first basic thing we got reacquainted with was the issue of a renewed prayer life. Okay? And then last time if you were here, we saw the second thing was a renewed worship. And we only got as far as answering the question, why? Why do we worship God? What's, what's the whole deal with that? And, and again, to put it in a nutshell, because hello, he's worthy. Okay, when you put it in its context, when you look at Jesus and what his body went through on the cross and was broken on our behalf, uh, he's worthy. When you understand that his blood was shed on the cross to rescue us from eternal damnation and hell, woo! you join uh, Revelation 4 and 5 with all of heaven in adoration and praise because he is worthy. That's why we worship him. Amen? Okay, it's common sense. Okay, the second basic question as we continue on is, all right then, if we're going to get rid of this churchianity stuff, uh, all right then, what is worship? Okay, we saw why. Hello, he's worthy of worship. More than worthy. Okay, but what is it? Okay, and, and this is what I want to do with now. Okay, and again, when you take a look at this, folks, through the eyes of a relationship, piece of cake makes total sense. Again, I'm firmly convinced that we Christians are the ones who complicate things. Okay, when you look at it through the eyes of a relationship, it makes perfect sense. First of all, the, the word there for worship comes from the Greek word proskuneo. Okay, let's say that. Proskuneo, you Greek scholars. And it literally means this, worship. You say, I worship God. I'm a worshiper of God. I love to worship God. This is really what you're saying. Okay, it says this. It means to kiss the hand, to fall upon the knees as an expression of not just reverence, but profound reverence. To kiss the hand, to fall upon the knees as an expression of profound reverence. Anybody get a sense of that when the guys are up here singing that song from Dennis Jernigan? Wow. So when you say you worship God, that's your attitude. I want to break it down for you. I believe biblically in simpler terms, what does it mean to be a worshiper of God? Okay, according to the scripture, I believe that worship... Even simpler is this, having a daily passionate love affair with Almighty God. You see, I love to worship God. I'm a worshiper of God. Can't wait to worship God. That's what you're saying. I'm having a daily passionate love affair with Almighty God. Okay. Now, we saw last week the greatest way that you worship God and you express that passionate love affair with Almighty God because He's so worthy, okay, is with your life. Romans chapter 12, right? But what I want to hone in on is what we call worship time at church services. The scripture is clear. One of the ways that we can express this worship, we can express this uh, 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 passionate love affair with God, is through singing, music, okay? In fact, folks, if you look at the Bible, the Bible, believe it or not, is big on music, big on singing. It's important. We have 150 chapters in the Bible that all has to do with music and singing. They're called the Psalms. Or for those of you hooked on phonics, psalms. Okay, but either way, they're called the psalms, okay? Now, you need to understand, that's like a Christianese word. The psalms, the psalms. Okay, the Hebrew psalms, break it down, is literally translated praises. So when you say book of songs, you're saying book of praises. The Greek translation from the Old Testament denotes the, quote, plucking or twanging of strings. Okay, in fact, the rabbis later called this section in the Bible just that. Not just the book of Psalms. They called it the book of praises, which means, put it together, folks. Look at your Bible, and guess what? Right smack dab. You think this is by chance? I don't think so. Right smack dab in the middle of the Bible is 150 praise songs. That's what it is. So that tells me, at the center of it all, 
hey, singing and worshiping God with music is a pretty big deal, right? Okay, that's what we see. And again, if you look at this through the eyes of a relationship, so why do we do it? Why do we do it? If you look at it through the eyes of a relationship, it makes perfect sense. Okay, so think about this, folks. Just like when you're in love with somebody down here on earth, sometimes what do you do? You sing a song to them, right? You sing a love song or you make up a song, right? I, John, you should have been there that day when him and Ruth met. I mean, he comes up to her and all of a sudden the bells go off. Woo! Next thing you know, it comes right out of John's mouth. Uh, Ruth, baby, I love you, baby. Right, right John? No. No. <laughs> roller skating. But there was music involved, right? And next thing you know, you might all of a sudden, it, it became your song, right? The, the, whatever the song was. Okay, and hopefully it wasn't Old McDonald. That's not cool, John. But, uh, but no, but that's, see, that's natural. See, when you're in love and you have a relationship, music is huge. And sometimes you do sing a song to each other, whether it's somebody else's, or you compose a song. Now listen, folks, in a nutshell, that's what we're supposed to be doing when we sing songs, worship time, during a church service. It's an opportunity to take the songs that the choir sings, worship leader sings, specials sing, and we jump on board. And we sing those songs that have been prepared for us back to Jesus as a love song from our heart. That's worship. That's what it's supposed to be, okay? Now, the neat thing about it is think about God's wisdom in this. He, we, he wants us to worship him, Right? And he wants us specifically to worship him through music and singing. And he's got 150 songs right in the middle of the Bible. Now, think about this. This is awesome. God picks something. Listen, you don't have to be a secluded monk and learn to chant in order to worship God. Did you know that? Did you know that you don't have to be a super duper talented singer to worship God? Believe it or not. Okay. Think of God's wisdom here, guys. Listen, anybody can sing. He picks something that anybody can do. Now, I didn't say you were good at it. I said he picks something that anybody could do. But if it's from the heart, that's what he wants. It's all pleasing to him. In fact, flipping around, we'll see this maybe later. Uh, you could be the super duper talented singer slash monk person. But if it ain't from the heart, that's not pleasing to God. But you can sound like a bunch of warmed over chickens being chased around a pen. But from the heart... That's what God wants. He picks something that we can all do. Aren't you glad that God says, okay, tell you what, you want to worship me? You need to demonstrate that, express that passionate love affair with me by going and building a house. Anybody glad he didn't say that? Because my worship would stink. Ask my wife. I can't even build a shed. Right? I can't even put together a barbecue. <laughs> I can't. Right? But he picked something we all can do. It's called the praise book. 150 right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. Okay? In fact, let's see one of those praise songs and how we are to get into it. Okay? Psalm 150. Turn there. Okay? Or should we say praise song 150? Because that's really what it is. Open your Bibles to Psalm 150. And let's take a look at these, uh, this praise song. And there's going to be a theme in here. And let's see if you can guess what that theme is, okay, when we sing uh, to God, okay, Psalm 150, and we're going to read the whole thing, and he starts off there by simply saying this phrase, he says what? Praise the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, he breaks it down for us. He says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with, listen, the clash of cymbals. In fact, praise Him with resounding cymbals. Get into it. In fact, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In fact, if you still haven't gotten it, the whole point is you're to what? Praise the Lord. Okay? Now, I know this is early. But how many guys would say that when it comes to music and singing, we're supposed to praise the Lord with it? Okay, I think it's pretty obvious there, okay? And he breaks it down for us, okay? He breaks the mechanics down. He says, number one, we're supposed to do that for who God is and what he's done. That's what we saw last week. He's worthy. Number two, he says, we're to praise him. I mean, look at the list there. We're to praise him with just about any kind of musical instrument we could find. Whatever he can scrape up. 
Whether it's the trumpet, the harp, the lyre, the strings, pipes, cymbals, believe it or not, drums are not of the devil, okay? And three, he says, we are to be bored out of our gorge with it. It's completely perfunctory. It's just some ritual. No, we are to be jubilant about it. We're to be excited about it, even to the point where <gasps> we might actually move. <laughs> right? I, I didn't say that. That's what it is. So here's the point. When it comes to our worship time here at sunrise, I, this is what we're doing, right? <laughs> we're simply expressing our daily passionate love affair with Jesus. We're joining with our fellow brothers and sisters, and we're praising God with every kind of instrument we can find, and we're totally excited about it. We're jubilant. Woo! Well, sometimes, sometimes not. Okay, and this is where the churchianity stuff kicks in. I mean, sometimes you go to a church service and their so-called celebration time looks more like a funeral service. You know, it's like that video we saw last week. It's like, whoa, what's going on? Okay. And I want to break it down for you a little further. The reason why I think this happens when you go to a church service, okay, is because the two things, and two things are both side effects of churchianity disease. Okay, and the first side effect is we act like it's illegal to get excited about God. Excuse me? We act like it's illegal to get excited about God. That's not what we just read in the psalmist there, right? What, what's the con That's just one of the 150 songs. They were excited about it. They were jubilant. They were dancing. They were praising God. That's a little bit of excitement. So here's my point. How could that be illegal? If that's our scriptural example. Right? Besides, oftentimes, you know, frankly, what I've learned? Those people who say, you can't move a muscle. Oh, you can stand all right, but you must stand there and you must not move a muscle. If you clap, you will encourage a demon to come into the sanctuary. If you do raise your hand, you cannot do it fully. It can only be here like somebody glued your armpit. They super glued it together and that's all you can do. Anything beyond that, you are inviting spiritual warfare. You are... Those, what I've learned, honestly, folks, who say that, because that's how you're supposed to do it. You can't get crazy about it. Frankly, are called in the South, hypocrites, hypocrites. Because when you look at these people, they get all excited about all other kinds of things that are not worthy of worship. Right? Let's take a look, like this guy. You see, I like church, even though my wife drags me here every Sunday. I, I'm a good person. I mean, let me tell you about some of these people anyways. I mean, during praise and worship, they raise their hands. I mean, come on, this is church. Have some dignity. I don't do that. I wouldn't do that. We will, we will rock you. We will, we will rock you. And once with all this jubilant dancing, I mean, you know how silly you look? I wouldn't do that either. And let's keep it down. This is church. What could you possibly be shouting about? I wouldn't shout. Troy Hassebrook split wide to the right side. The backfield. Oh my God! With Miller yes! And with Alexander. Come on! You can do it! Get a touchdown! Come on! Here is a fake. A keeper by Eric Trapp. He gets it! He was Turn to somebody and say, that's a hypo crack. Right? Come on, folks, let's be honest. You can't move a muscle. You can't clap your hands. You can't shout praise God to a church service. But you can do that over all kinds of things that are not worthy of worship. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying draw attention to yourself. Because I think sometimes people do that. Ooh, they're the most spiritual one because they can do it all. And they cut You're not worshiping Jesus. You're drawing attention to yourself. Okay? It's not illegal to clap. Okay? You're some, this is not the time for a show. Okay? You ever sit in front of the person behind you and apparently they're trying out for the opera? It's like, whoa! Now, if you really sing that way, that's okay. That's cool. But does it have to be 9,000 decibels? 
Who are you doing this for? Right? But again, that's drawing attention to stuff. I'm not saying wrong with that. I'm not saying roll around the floor. I'm not saying do stuff just to do stuff and draw attention. No, but listen, th- don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's nothing more exciting than getting excited about God because He is worthy of our worship. And if you can get all excited over a football game or playing golf or basketball or sports, Jesus Christ is much more worthy of our emotions than that. Don't be a hypocrite. Okay, but that's the first one. The second thing, uh, that we act like it's illegal to sing a different kind of song. Because our song is the right way. Yeah, that's where I call worship wars come in. Okay. Uh, And again, this is what happens. Okay. The point is we saw in our text. Okay. Listen, the Bible simply says that uh, in essence, it really doesn't matter to a certain extent what kind of song it is. What kind of style. Right. There's different kinds of instruments. Right. There's all different kinds of instruments. And because there was different kinds of instruments, that means you're going to have different kind of music. Okay. It's common sense. The point is it's got to be glorifying to God. But see, that's our problem. We get hung up on our style of music and somehow that becomes the only way that we can sing God. The rest of the stuff's of the devil. Well, first of all, let me, let me, let me give you a history test. Because right? it usually breaks down into two categories. You got the hymns and you got the contemporary. And the two shall never meet, it seems, sometimes. Okay? Well, first of all, for those of you who say it has to be a hymn and only a hymn, let's do a history test. This is, this is funny. Did you know that the first hymns Okay, and by the way, I like both, okay, but I do have some challenges with both, and I'm just being honest, okay? If you ever done a history test with the hymns, did you know that the hymns, a lot of the hymns caused a ruckus in the church? You know why? Because Christians were getting, or people were getting saved coming out of an immoral lifestyle, even in the bars, and the first hymns, do the research, were warmed over bar songs, but they turned them into songs for Jesus. That's the hymns. And you should have been there that day when the Salvation Army busted out into the streets, because that was radical. They busted out into the streets with their brass instruments, the, the horned instruments. They're going down the streets, sharing the gospel with this music going forth. You would have thought back in the day when they first did that, these people, it was, it was as if all of a sudden Metallica started going down like me. <laughs> now it sounds funny today, but back then, the response of the church, what? Brass instruments down the street. Oh. Okay, so that's the hymns. Now, for those of you who think it has to be contemporary, I got a major problem with that. Let's be honest, man. This is really what gets me. You chicken. Most contemporary songs today, you wonder who in the world are you singing about? Is this your boyfriend? Is this your father? Is this your fiance? Who is he? Since when did it become illegal to say Jesus? What's wrong with saying Jesus? If you're singing a love song to Jesus, how about say Jesus once in a while? But no, you've got it so gutted. I don't know what you're trying to do. Just make a million bucks. It's supposed to be a worship song to Jesus. So I don't have a problem with contemporary, but can we get back to having Jesus in there? So again, don't throw the baby out the bathwater. The point is this. Don't get hung up on the mechanics. And that's what we do in churches. It's got to be him. No, it's got to be contemporary. It's got who cares? Again, how many different instruments was there in that one praise song in the Bible? Bunches. So guess what? Naturally, you're going to have different kinds of styles of music. The point is, it needs to be glorifying to God and sung from the heart. That pleases God. That's what worship is. Okay? The third and final question is, all right, then how do you do it? Let's break it down. How do you, how do, you do it? I know why, because he's worthy. Okay? Uh, I, I know what it is. It's just singing a love song to Jesus with whatever kind of music you can find that's glorifying about him and from the heart. Okay, but wh- how do we do it? Well, Paul breaks it down for us and he has a key phrase in here that tells us don't lose sight of this. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, Paul says this, Therefore, do not be what? Foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. First of all, don't get drunk on wine. That, that leads to debauchery. Don't do that. He said, instead, be filled with what? The Spirit of God, speaking to one another with what? Psalms, what? Hymns, what? Songs from, that's three different kinds of songs right there. Isn't that interesting? Songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Okay? So according to the scripture, Paul says, if you don't want to be a foolish Christian and you want to be wise, then the first thing, don't get high, if you will, on liquor. You need to get high or filled with the Spirit of God. You need to be under the Spirit's control, in other words, the Greek says there, instead of the control of some alcohol substance, okay? And apparently one of the ways that we're encouraged to be under the control of the Spirit is through music and singing, through songs, okay? And it was different kinds of styles, and he said, don't get hung up on the styles. He said, the main thing in this passage you need to focus on is whatever the style is, it's from the heart. Do you see it? Don't get hung up on the mechanics. Don't get hung up and it's got to be this or that. It's from the heart is what he's talking about there. Okay? And again, as we saw before, this makes perfect sense when you look at it through the eyes of a relationship. Okay? You're supposed to sing a passionate love affair. You express that through music from the heart. Okay? So by way of teaching us how to do it correctly, we're going to look at it how to do it incorrectly. Okay? And the first way that you don't sing to God uh, is as a source of entertainment. That's right. And that's right to illustrate the foolishness of doing this uh, in our relationship with God. We're going to look at it through the eyes of another relationship, a marriage relationship, with the Mickey and Vesta show. Come on down, guys. It's your time to shine. Okay. And uh, the Mickey and Vesta show today is uh, going to uh, help us illustrate. And what Mickey's going to do is uh, he's in love, right? You're in love, right? With your wife. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Okay. And uh, so he's in love with her. And uh, what he's going to do is, you know, when you're in love, what do you do? Music is huge. You're going to sing this love song thing, right? Okay. And, and so that's what he's going to do, except he's going to do it as a source of entertainment. And you tell me how it goes over uh, with his wife. Let's, let's go ahead and take a look. Hi, Vess. I want to sing a song to you. Vesta, I love you, honor and adore you, how I love you. Look <laughs> <laughs> at that. Yeah, give it for me. Let's go. All right, yeah. All right. Now, in a nutshell, what's going on there is, uh, you know, Mickey, of course, he's uh, singing to his wife, Vesta, you know, he's got it going, and, and, uh, but really, all of a sudden, something switched in the middle of it, right? All of a sudden, it really wasn't, I mean, it was about her, and it's supposed to be for her, but something turned around, and it was now for the praises of others. Have you noticed that? Did you know that the worship team up here in the choir is not for your source of entertainment? Oh, that was a nice, beautiful song, uh, oh, and flip it around. Uh, did you know that when you're up here, this is not a time for no? This is not. You're not providing entertainment. You're hopefully providing. You're hopefully worshiping God from the heart yourself, with instrument or voice, and providing the atmosphere for everybody else to enjoy you. It's not a time to do it for other people's entertainment. Okay, remember, it's a, it's a relationship with God. We're supposed to do it uh, from the heart. The second way that we don't sing to God during a church service uh, is as a source of ritual. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, for instance, what if Mickey were to sing a love song, quote, unquote, to his wife, Vesta, uh, this way? Let's sing it. Hi, Vesta. Hi. I want to sing you a song. Okay. Vesta, I love you. Wait a minute. Okay. Vesta, I love you. Honor. Wait. <laughs> Honor and adore you. Uh, All right, hey, who can give Mickey a ride home today? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, some love song. Isn't that awesome? Woo, I tell you what. Can you imagine if he actually sang to us that way? Oh, I got a love song for you. Oh, folks, you know exactly where I'm going with this one. It's supposed to be about Jesus. Here it is. Music's playing. All ready to go. Folks around us are getting into it singing. 
And ring, 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 ring. First of all, shut the thing off, will you? With all due respect. Okay? Unless, of course, you're one of those people on call in emergencies. I'll use some balance here, but give me a break. Excuse me? This is not a time to check your cell phone. This is the time to worship Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your soul. You can't give him a couple minutes to sing a love song to him. What has happened to us? And did you know that he sees all this? Does he like those kind of love songs from us? I'll add a little bit to that. Not just the cell phone. Oh, this is the time to... Uh, uh, make a note later. This is the time to stare at your bulletin. This is the time to stare at... The, excuse me? Put that stuff down. This is the time to sing a love song to Jesus Christ from your heart. It's not ritual time. It's not just standing up for the sake of standing up. This is the time to sing a love song back to Jesus. Amen? The next way that we do not uh, sing a uh, so-called love song uh, to God is as a source of meanness. Me. It's all about me. Okay? For instance, what if Mickey were to sing to his wife, Vesta, uh, a so-called love song uh, like this? Let's take a look. Hi, Vest. I want to I sing you a song. Okay. Vesta, you love me. <laughs> Honor and adore me. Oh, you love me. Me. Yeah. Man. Scoring points all over the place with a need for the right home. Uh, but here's the problem. I mean, he was right there. He's in the right position singing this love song. He had the tune going. Okay, but what was the problem there? It's supposed to be a love song to Vesta, but it had nothing to do with Vesta. It had to do with... And have you noticed this so-called worship songs today? It's really me-centered. You not only got the names of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ, but it's all about me, how God makes me feel, and my life, and me. Whoa, 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 wait a second here. Whose love song is this anyway? And maybe we need to get back to songs that are truly glorifying with God. That's what I appreciate about the hymns personally. We seem to have slidden uh, from that. The fourth and final way we do not sing to God is as a source of silence. Break out the duct tape. Okay, but let's take a look at this. How if Mickey were to sing Vesta a love song like this? Let's see how this would go. Okay, we're going we're gonna to set these over here. Yeah, you got it, yeah. Get some props going. Yeah. Investor Show as they take a seat there, helping us out there. Thank you guys. Awesome. Man, he had it going there. Did you guys notice that? Music was going, man. He had a, he had a jamming beat. I felt like I was in the jungles there for a second there. That was cool. That was happening. Bongo heaven. Woo! He's getting into it. His body language. Whoa, he was going, man. It was what a platform. What was the problem? Nothing came out of his mouth. Nothing came out of his mouth. I mean, surely that doesn't happen to us. I mean, we got the, all the music going. We even make it easy for you, putting it on screen, the words. So you don't have to memorize everything. Everybody works hard to try to do a great job. Provide the platform. We'll, we'll even stand. The music's going. In case you get off on the wrong key, they try to get it going on the right key. But we stand there and nothing even comes out of our mouth. What's going on? How far have we been infected with churchianity? I said this this morning in the book of James study. One of the creepiest reminders in the scripture in the Old Testament is God uses this statement over and over again. In the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord. They did this in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord. God sees everything. 
And here it is. Praise God. His people, His children that He's redeemed have gathered together. He's provided all this for us. And now, here's the time we can worship Him. And He's given us the musical abilities and the, the music and all this uh, awesome stuff. And here it goes. And it's all ready. And we just... Nice love song. In the eyes of the Lord. Sounds like we've forgotten that it's a relationship, haven't we? Okay? I'd say we get much more out of our worship time if we get back to worshiping God with that time. Amen? We're going to close in what I believe is probably one of the most profound illustrations of not only composing a song from the heart, being appreciative of what God's done, but singing it from the heart as well. All combined in this one video We've seen it before, but now in this context, this is the inspiration of Amazing Grace. Let's take a look. How many of you like Negro spirituals? An old black lady down south showed me something about the Negro spirituals, and I want to share it with you. Uh, you know, the black folk down south had more sense by accident than some of us have on purpose. You know what I mean? You didn't hear what I said. I heard an old black lady say, Son, if the mountain was smooth, you couldn't climb it. Uh-huh. Think about that for a minute. But did you know, she said to me, did you know all, just about all Negro spirituals are written on the black notes of the piano? This is absolutely true. You can go home tonight and play almost any Negro spiritual, just play the black notes on the piano. You look skeptical. Now, you can't see it out there, but I want you to watch. Watch. There are five black notes on the piano. And those same five black notes just keep recurring. And you can go home tonight and play almost any Negro spiritual. Just play the black notes. Watch. You know that? Every time I... Feel the spirit. Just black notes. Watch this. That's because the slaves didn't come to America with do, re, mi, fa, so, la, di, do. That's somebody else's scale, okay? All they had in their musical scale were those five black notes. We know it in music as the pentatonic scale. And they built the power and pathos of the Negro spiritual on five notes. When you study music, you also come across what are known as white spirituals. Did you know that? And they are white composers who work with those, that scale. In early America, they used to call this the slave scale. And I'm going to play for you what some musicologists think is the most famous white spiritual built on the slave scale or just the black notes. Anybody tonight know who wrote that song? I heard it, a man by the name of John Newton. But do you know what John Newton did before he became a Christian? He was the captain of a slave ship. And many believe heard this melody that sounds very much like a West African sorrow chant and wrote the words Amazing Grace and set his words to a slave melody. I looked up that song. I believe God wanted that song written just the way it was written, just so that we would be reminded that as Christians, whether black or white, free or bond, in his eyes, we're all connected. 
We are connected. And we are connected by God's amazing grace. Connected by God's amazing grace. Woo! I looked up that song in the Library of Congress. I looked up, I went to the Library of Congress, I looked up that song. And wherever you see it authentically printed, you know what it says? Words, John Newton, melody unknown. Tell the Lord, when I get to heaven, I want to meet Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but boy, I want to meet that slave called unknown. And I, and I, I, I recorded that song the way I hear it when I sing it. I still hear the sounds of the slave ships in the water. I want to sing it for you the way John Newton probably first heard it coming up out of the belly of the ship. Listen. can't help but watch that and wonder it doesn't take a whole bunch of people but if we would come here each Sunday as Christians 
and truly appreciate God's amazing grace and what He's done for us. We may have the worst voices on the planet, but if we sang from the heart, I think people would come here and weep and run to the altar and cry out to Jesus to be saved. We need to get back to what it means to worship Jesus Christ. Get rid of this churchianity baloney and get back to singing love songs to Him because He is worthy. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. 
And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.